Welcome to Go Rangers Radio, where the New York Rangers are always the talk of the town. If you bleed red, white, and Rangers blue, hail the king, follow the bread man, and know how to spell Capo Caco, then you've tuned to the right place. And now, here are your handsome hosts, Kevin Delury and Paul Cuthbert. They're not always going to get it right, but you can be damn sure they'll pretend they are. Now, let's go Rangers Radio. Yeah, good evening everybody and welcome to Go Rangers Radio right here on the Go Hockey Media Radio Network. Live from New York, baby! Yours truly, Mr. Paul Cuthbert. And without further ado, your friend and mine, Mr. Kevin DeLore. KD, baby! How you doing, buddy? Good, buddy. How are you? Hopefully, uh, you know, I, I decided this week not to uh, broadcast from a cave. So hopefully there'll be no echoing going on. Oh, buddy, you know that's my fault. Thanks for trying to be kind, but you know it was me. It's okay, nah, man. man. You can give me, me the business. Give me the all business. Me. That's all right. That's right. Paulie got it right. It's why we pay him the big bucks. Oh, yeah. And Krugerrands, no less. And it's Skittles. Gonna the, it's going to be the smooth sounds of uh, Kevin Delory tonight. So, yeah, courtesy of uh, Mr. Paul Cuthbert. Welcome to Go Rangers Radio, ladies. <laughs> Kevin Delory is on the other side. What's up, everybody? 33 games in. 16, 13, and 4. Your New York Rangers good for 36 points. Sixth in the Metro. 22nd in the National Hockey League. And five points out of a wild card there, KD. Uh, last three games since we've been on air. Your stupid predictions. Um... Let's talk about the West Coast a little bit. Uh, last game, they, they won 6-3 against the Sharks. Nice, uh, fun game that was. And then a boring game against the Ducks. Lost 4-3 in the sh- uh, shootout loss. And then um, came home to New York, baby, and um, let the Preds eat them up. And uh, I feel better that the Preds actually went out and destroyed the uh, the Icelanders last night. doesn't make me feel as too bad. But uh, there's where we are, buddy, uh, since me and you last spoketh. Yeah, you know, I, I think the the California trip really turned into a goaltending controversy. What? Uh, between Mr. Uh, Georgiev and uh, the King. The Twitter wars this week and weekend about the decline of Lundqvist and how he is now costing us games. And Georgiev, full-time starter, is, is quite interesting. What a load of that- crap. Yeah, I mean, to me, that is the the was the main sort of takeaway, at least from the fan side of things, from that West Coast trip, was that you saw fans. I mean, I was, I I think I was up for hours after the Ducks game, um, just fighting with fans on Twitter, just about Lundqvist and you know how he's done, and let's get rid of him, and we got to do three goalies on the NHL roster now, and it's like, goodness gracious, this guy is like a legend. He, trust me, I, I can absolutely admit that his skills are declining. He's turning into um, an average goalie, above average goalie. You know, we're just not used to seeing this from him. And I actually think he, and I said this on Twitter, I think he's a victim of his own success. He's been so good for so long that now you're seeing him let in, you know, the occasional bad goal. 
and it looks bad. He lets in one. That's what normal goalies do. Normal goalies let in a bad goal or a couple of bad goals a game. And now we're seeing that from Lundqvist, and people don't know what to do. That's it. It's over. You know, Georgia's got to play every game now. It's crazy. I thought we nipped this in the butt. I thought we told everybody to chill out until after the new year, until we get closer to the spring, until we see what's going on here. I mean, does everybody's all, all of a sudden, everybody's forgotten about the games against the Canes and how he stood on his head and everything else. Look, I said, uh, ugh, I can't remember what game it was. I have to put the schedule up here. But I did say uh, in, in one of the games that um, I felt that, uh, you know, Hank looked a little slow. Uh, I think it was against Vegas. It was Yeah, it was, it was the night against Vegas when the team I thought didn't play too bad and that I thought Hank just didn't play, you know, a stellar game the, that night. The Vegas I, game at home. The Vegas game at yeah, MSG. Yes, I'm sorry. Yeah. The Vegas game at home. But I didn't I didn't bury the guy. I didn't, yeah. You know, to me it was just like, hey, he just seemed like a, he was a little bit off of this. I think all of us have to really kind of relax here with the goaltending situation. I mean, it's a good situation for us. We've gone through. They're not scoring. There's only two guys on the team right now who are putting the puck in the net. That's the number one problem. Um, and then as far as the... Uh, solidifying everything up defensively, you know, whether it's uh, Hayden or, uh, you know, Stahl here or whatever's going to go on and then everybody else. I mean, I think that's that's the bigger issue right now as far as the, instead of the goaltending, KD. Oh, I agree. And, and look, I readily admit, like I said before, like, you know, it's okay to admit that Lundqvist's skills are declining and he's not the same goalie he was five years ago. I mean, I'm with everybody on that, but it was just a, it was like vitriol against the guy and like, well, you know, what have you done for me lately? It's like, oh, my goodness, this guy, like, you know, single-handedly got the organization into the playoffs every year. I mean, he's built up some type of equity with his fan base to be like, all right, he had a bad week. Like, suddenly, you know, people want him traded. And, you know, how can we demote him? And can we buy him out? And um, I, I was like, oh, my goodness. You know, this maybe what, Henrik Lundqvist. Yeah, maybe what we have to do is, is especially on Twitter, so that's, this is where me and you do most of our dirty work. Um Maybe everybody has to put their age at the top of their Twitter account <laughs> so we can kind of – because, you know, guys like me and you who are pushing our 90s is a little different than, say, you know, fans who are, like, in their teens and their early 20s that are just kind of, you know, watching what's going on here. So that that might be something different as far as, you know, patience and then – and then, hey, look, I don't, I don't maybe necessarily blame – uh, the younger generations of Ranger fans right now who who see a young guy like uh, Shesty down south and then, uh, uh, or I should say up north in Connecticut, um, and, uh, you know, and Georgia uh, playing the way he is. Uh, you know, as a collective thing here with the with the team, uh, you know, what's the deal here, KD? Is it a rebuild? Are we going to have patience with, the, patience with this team? Or is it just like, you know, guys have a bad game, you got to get rid of them. There's no patience anymore. I mean, now Kreider's getting, you know, they're talking about trading Kreider, uh, all this stuff, which has kind of been in the discussion anyway. But um, I think, you know, the team is is okay for where it is. Uh, and I brought this up at the last show, too. I mean, there's about 10, 12 teams that they're right in the pack with as far as, you know, being competitive. So it's well, really we not only, that bad. Going into the Nashville game, we were only two points out of a playoff spot. I mean, that's changed over the course of the last – Two days where we're, we're what are we five back now or something like that? So, but we were like right there like two days ago. We're there. It's December. We're fighting for a playoff spot. This is this is great. Uh, you know, we're supposed to be in a rebuild, but we're still fighting for a playoff spot. I mean, what what more can you ask for from from the team right now? 
I mean, look, they're going to have bad games and and uh, and whatnot, and, and they're going to be inconsistencies with a a young team. But overall, you still have to be happy with what's going on, the the direction that the team is going. And and yeah, look, Lundqvist is going to stumble here. You had to know that his contract, the end of his contract, when he's pushing forty, was going to be tough. Yes, you're spending you know eight million dollars over eight million dollars on a 40-year-old goaltender with declining skills. It's not a good look, but it is what it is. You paid the guy for what he had done, what you thought he was going to do at the time, and look, took us to a Stanley Cup final, couple of conference finals, and, you know, unfortunately we weren't weren't able to get the cup for the guy. Um, But look, he still, like you said, he still has those games where, you know, he had the Carolina game. And, you know, the L.A. game, three he let in three goals, and the Ducks game, he let in three goals as well. Guess what? Georgiev let up three goals against San Jose, and he won. So it looks different because they won. You know, Lundqvist let up three goals against the Kings, and they lost because they only scored once. That's not his fault. Like you mentioned, there's two guys scoring on this team right now, Zipinishad and Panarin, and that's it. <laughs> it's, it's it's crazy, man. It's it's bad, and I guess, you know, we can uh, – where do you want to go here? I mean – um, Well, let me do this because I pointed out, and you know what? I went over these stats last week when I was in the cave. You said no (laughs) stats on this show. What are you doing to me, buddy? I'm coming back with these stats. (laughs) All right. Listen, listen, taking out, this is our top nine. Let me me go over the scoring situation of of our top nine right now. Strom has one goal in his last 20 games. One. Buchnevich has one goal in his last 12 games. Kako has zero goals in his last 16 games. Heedle has one goal in his last 12 games. Howden has one goal in his last 25 Stop, games. It hurts too much, Kevin. Kreider, although Kreider's been scoring a little bit lately, he scored um, the other night against Nashville, and he scored on out, out in California. But he still only has two goals in the last 11 games. And then Fost, who's scoring a little bit as well, he has three goals in his last 26 games. And then you have Panarin, who has eight goals in his last seven games. And Zabinijad, who has five goals in the last five games. I mean, that's the problem. <laughs> Lundqvist is not the problem. Are his skills diminishing? Yes. Is he getting old? Is Yes. Is Georgiev outplaying him? Yes. But the scoring right now is the problem. I. I mean, it's it's right there in front of everybody's face. I mean, this is this is it. I mean, look, the uh, it's it's been uh, talked about ad nauseum as far as you know, even uh, on the MSG networks and everywhere else. They're not shooting. Uh, there's no flow. I mean, again, I'll bring it up, man. It was you know a couple of weeks back. What kind of a system do they have? You know, uh, Capo's back down on the fourth line now. I mean, there's there's all this. I guess you know it's just a whole lot of muck that's going on out there, and they can't get anything going. And this is, uh, you know, part of the whole collective uh, observation here of this rebuild of a team. I mean, this is just the frustrations of it and a second-year coach. So they've got a winning record. They're five points out of the wild card. They're sitting in a pack of 10, 11 teams, which have about the same amount of points. We're heading into the, uh, you know, the new year here. Um, They've got, you know, a tough six games coming up here. There's no doubt about it. Uh, before the, uh, you know, we strike midnight here on New Year's Eve, and we'll talk about that a little later too. But, you know, this is what it is. I mean, it's it's the scoring now, and, you know, some nights it's Hank. You know, the night against Tampa was Georgia, you know, when he got blown out that night. But 
they're in it. They're still kind of just, they're in it. And it's just frustrating to watch. But I think we just have to just understand that these are the New York Rangers we have right now. Yeah, and, and actually I think that they've been playing a little bit better lately because for the most part this season they've been completely outshot in games. You know, they're giving up 40 shot, you know, 40 shots on goal a game. You know, they're giving up like 70 shot attempts a game, whatever it is. You know, the last couple of games, the San Jose game, I thought they played very well. The Anaheim game, I thought they played well. I, I do think that Lundqvist did deserve some of the blame. The, the last two goals that he gave up were pretty bad. The, those are two he should have. Now, having said that, the Rangers did give up 42, uh, 41 shots. Um, and then the Nashville game. The Nashville game, they should have won. I mean, that's, you know, you don't, you never like to blame the refs. But I'm going to blame the refs. <laughs> that was atrocious. <laughs> did you see Valakat after that game? He was losing his mind. He, uh, he was so angry at the officials. It was hysterical. I was dying laughing just watching how angry he was at the, at the officials. It was great. But um, so, you know, I, I don't necessarily think that they've been playing that poorly. I, I think that they've turned a little bit maybe the, defensively where they're not giving up as many shots. Um, but, you know, I think the Nashville game, you know, look, that's coming back from a long trip. I thought they played real solid. And, you know, that, that game really did turn on, on the officiating, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, you're going to get a handful of those games during the season where you, you're, you're going to watch what's going on in front of you. And you're going to scratch your head. Um, you know, I, I've been a big I, – I don't get the two-referee system, to be honest with you. I don't, I don't see how two guys out there can either not make the calls or make the same mistakes or, you know, they're all looking different ways. I mean, just guys are just getting buried on the side of the net the other night, uh, you know, in that game, and they're just – I don't know what they're looking at. And then you have two other linesmen out there, and they're just not catching it. And then you have player safety, which is just, you know, what's going on in there? Are they just, you know, throwing marbles up in the air and whatever doesn't roll under the couch? That's the, you know, that's going to be the uh, the fine or the, the fee or the suspension. I mean, but as an NHL fan, I mean, I, that's just something we just have to live with right now. I mean, you can get frustrated. The bottom line is you you got to put the puck in the net. And the Rangers just aren't doing that right now. And they've got to find a way to get out of it. And, you know, whether that's going to happen here on Friday night against Toronto, um, you know, who knows? I, I will point this out. I think some of the teams they played here in the last four or five games – you know, uh, San Jose was kind of a – they kind of hit them at the right time because DeBoer got fired. Um, you know, that I, I brought it up last week too. Actually, nobody heard it because of my horrible editing here in the studio. <laughs> but I was going on about how boring that, that Kings game was. Uh, and they're playing a team that's just – you know, they're struggling too. They, they can't score either. So, you know, between collectively as a young group uh, gelling together, a uh, bunch of new guys playing with each other for the first time, and Coach Quinn and everything else, and then every game now is it seems to be these different things. So the best thing KD they can do here is just try and learn from, learn from it and go to the next step. And these guys are human, man. Some guys gonna just not bring it one night, you know. Uh, the the other thing with Hank too is, you know, his psyche is just playing on his bed, you know, in his head at night when he goes to bed. You know, should I think about getting out of here and going to a contender? Contender, do I want to sit through, you know, another, you know. 50 games of this stuff. I mean, what do you, what's your take on that in terms of, you know, how Hank's thinking in terms of, because ultimately the guy goes on and on and says he's not going anywhere. But, you know, after these games, man, he, he looks really kind of just totally bummed out. Well, yeah, I mean, I think he's in a position that he really hasn't been in throughout his career where, you know, he's looking at himself as, as potentially, you know, a weak, a weak link 
on this team where he was, you know, the guy who was basically dragging the team into the playoffs, basically putting them on on his back and taking them where where they needed to go. You know, he now is for the last couple of weeks basically hasn't been the starter. I mean, Georgiev is getting a majority of the starts now. But he wasn't um, feeling it, well, right? He wasn't feeling well, right? Well, yeah, I mean, what, he had a bad back or something, I think, mm-hmm. w- was holding him back. But even still, I, I mean, Georgiev is, is, is still getting the, the bulk of the starts, you know, seemingly, you know, recently. So um, I think that is weighing on him. I think after a, a game like in Anaheim where he's, he's letting in two um, stoppable goals, you saw the one where he came way out of the net and he was just completely out of the net when the puck went back to the point and scored. I mean, he's a goalie who stays deep in his crease. He ver- rarely comes out to challenge anyone like that. That's more like a Mike Richter who who used to do that, where he used to come all the way out. So to see him sort of, you know, come all the way out and lose his edge and he's sort of flopping around to get back was was sort of not you know, what you're used to from from Lundqvist. So yeah, I mean, you know, he was I'm, trying to score. <laughs> I don't know what was going on, but you know, he's. Uh, I'm sure it's it's sort of weighing on him a bit, and you know, he's seeing that. Look, that's what happens to all athletes, you know, as they sort of reach the twilight of their career. Um, it, it's it's a tough thing to a tough pill to swallow, um, and and sure, you know, is he thinking? Well, I'm sure he is. Um, you know, I. I I'm sure you know, I'm conflicted myself thinking about it. So I can't imagine that he's not either. Just is that something he wants? You know, is the cup, does winning a cup mean that much to him, um, you know, over finishing his career in New York? You know, I think he should realize at this point that really he has no future here beyond, you know, next year. Um, and, and you mentioned Chess Yorkin, who is just absolutely tearing things up down in the AHL. You know, last week, you know, you thought he was doing well. He's now like done even better. Although he did get pulled, I think last night. I heard it wasn't necessarily his fault. He was actually keeping the team in the game. Mm-hmm. They probably just pulled him out because they felt bad for him. He was, uh, you know, getting so many shots against. Um, but um, yeah, it's a, look, it's a tough time for Lundqvist. I think also, you know, I think Kreider might be going through the same thing as well. I mean, he, he did score last game, but I think similar to what happened to Zuccarello last year, I think the, his situation. Being a free agent at the end of the year, a lot of trade rumors sort of swirling around regarding Kreider, especially after Hall was just traded. You know, Kreider seems to be he's sort of the um, big free, uh, big uh, trade deadline guy now. Um, so, you know, I'm sure that's weighing on him. And it's been a reason why you know he struggled a bit to score this year, too. So, like you said, these guys are human. You know, this stuff does bother them. You know, I'm sure both of them, you know, have loved their time in New York. They've both been around just amazing playoff runs, the two of them, um, and, and have been a big reason for the success over the last, you know, decade plus, you know, that we've seen here. So, you know, the fact that both of them could be coming to the end of their Rangers career, I'm sure, isn't easy for them. And look, they're two veterans on the team that you're that you're counting on for the young guys to look look up to and, and maybe carry the team at times when there is the inconsistencies. So for them to sort of be uh um, having a bit of decline or dip in their play, you know, it hurts. You know, it hurts the whole team. Yeah, I mean, I I, I think let's, let's staying on Hank here for a second and just listening to what you're saying and everything and just reflecting on you know uh, you know how 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 big a part of this organization he has been and he is and everything and then you know always going back to just the way he firmly he doesn't want to go he doesn't want to go anywhere you know and um, just thinking about the fact that you know him not being on this franchise would be 
be something else, you know, just to, to see him go, you know. But um, I, I don't know. I, do the Rangers – would it kill them, actually, KD, if, if – I mean, I think it's if – it, if it ends up being poor, inconsistent play – I and and Hank's not going anywhere, and Georgiev stays good. You know, Coach Quinn has every right to just keep. You know, if he gives Georgiev the starting position, he rides him for you know ten, fifteen games. We haven't seen that. You know, especially with uh, you know Georgiev here, uh, as far as him getting a really, really long stretch of games. So we haven't gotten to that point yet. And as far as you know, Shesty's concerned, um, I don't know if there's any real rush to get him up here. You know, um, so. Maybe we just kind of leave the goaltending situation it is and maybe focus a little more on, on the other stuff that really needs a lot of work. Uh, you know, you talk about Kreider and, you know, whether they trade him or not. I, and when I see CK and he has these moments and stuff, but he's, he's not he's not this game-breaker kind of guy, you know. And I don't know if maybe there's just certain times on, on a team Guys either just need to be moved because they're just not gelling with the guys that are either in their lineup or they're, they're you know they're not playing well with each other. And the fact that Quinn is changing his lines a lot and trying to figure something out and trying to get things moving, you know that kind of that drives me crazy. I you know I just at this stretch of the game and I uh, the season I brought this up, KD is just just ride the lines, let them gel, let them get going. We've only had one major injury, and that was Mika. Uh, and he comes back and, um, you know, let everything kind of gel a little bit. But uh, the other thing, too, that I think you've talked about this before, and maybe to go with it again, is is the one-dimensional theme here on the team. Is, is Kreider that kind of a guy? You know, what's your take on that as far as, you know, we've got the charisma and the pizzazz with Panarin and even Zabanajad for that, for that aspect. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he scores that goal 10 seconds into the game the other night. He's just, you know, Mika's just got it. He's a experienced guy. We don't have to worry about Otemi. Um, there's a couple other guys. We probably don't really have to worry about except, you know, that long laundry list of the guys who haven't scored. But what do you, what do you see in terms of, um, what do you think's causing that all of a sudden? Or is it just general pro hockey? You know, everybody goes through these slumps. Yeah, I, I think, and, and we talked about this last week a little bit when I was in the cave. Um, that you know, <laughs> and actually, and actually, Larry Brooks, he, he must have heard us in, in the cave last week. But um, you know, he mentioned it today as well that they, you know they they are very one dimensional. They they they're not a team that that you see with a hard four check. You know, they don't. There's not a, a, a dump and chase going on with this team where they're where they're riding the other team's defenseman hard. You know, it's a real skill-oriented team. I mean, you do have a Lemieux, and like you, you mentioned, Kreider, but Kreider is struggling. So, you know, you have the Heatles and the Buchneviches and the Kakos, and, you know, they're all trying to stick handle through everybody, and they're holding on to the puck too long. And when the other team game plans for that, because, I'm, you know, look, everybody does the advanced scouting on, on other teams. They have a huge... The, game plan on the Rangers and they're like look this team likes to carry the puck they got you know a, a, a big skill level um, and they we want to take that away so when they have to be in a position to potentially dump and chase you know hard for check um, bounce bodies around you know physical hockey they just can't play it um, they're just not built you know for that type of hockey and and the guy, I mean, you know, a guy like Buchnevich, you're just not going to see get in there and throw his body around on the forecheck. He's just not built that way. And that's fine. But if you don't have complementary players 
to go around and do that type of thing, you know, you're going to go through these type of stretches because you can't just play the same way all the time. You're going to need certain players to step up who have more of a grinding presence and more grit. And unfortunately, when, you know, the guys that you do have in the lineup are, you know, Smith and McKegg, you know, their skill level really is is lacking there because you have to be more than just, you know, a tough guy out there who could who could throw the body around it. So that you have to be able to throw the body around and when you have the puck, be able to do something with it. Now, there's not a lot of those type of players in the league. And I think we do have one in the Mew or a guy who is, look, he's only in his second NHL year. So maybe a guy who who could turn into that. Um, But, you know, I I feel like that type of player, you know, is missing from that lineup. I think you need a couple of them um, to be successful right now or for this team to be successful, maybe um, stop some of the inconsistencies that they have. So, Look, I don't know. I mean, I'm not really looking to to make a trade for Buchnevich. I, I still want to see this team develop some more. Uh, but I, I would say going forward, when this team is ready to contend, the, they're going to need a couple of those players in the lineup. Well, then that's going to be the, the magic question then as far as where, you know, J.D. and Gorton stand here. If, if we're... You know, if me and you come out of retirement and off the golf courses to join this little party here that the New York Rangers are throwing called, you know, Welcome to the Rebuild, um, you know, then we just kind of got to stick with it. Maybe they're going to stick with it. I mean, we, we can't really sit here. Do we honestly sit here and, and start talking about, you know, moving pieces right now? For for what particular reason? So if we, we take this as a clean slate and, yeah, you want to make the playoffs – Coach Quinn talks about making the playoffs. Everybody does. The way the league is structured right now, the parity and everything else, the wild card system, if you stay healthy and you stay close you know, around April and, and, and March, you have a chance to get into the playoffs. But does this team really need to try and, um, outside of trading guys for draft picks, we're not going to be trading guys for you know, uh, immediate fixes here, right, KD? Oh, no, no. I think that the only I mean, for me, the only two players that should really be on the block right now or, or that and, and that could have any type of you know trade value for other teams is Kreider and Strom. Um, you know, I, I think the Rangers should, you know, dangle those two, see what they can get. I mean, the rumors, you know, coming out right now, I, I forgot who was putting out there a dredger or whoever it was. Um, was saying, you know, Kreider at this point can get a first round pick and a prospect. You know, I, I, I think I would do that if I was the Rangers. I mean, I would still talk to Kreider about a, an extension, but, you know, anything beyond, you know, four years is a non-starter for me because, you know, we sit and we talk about, you know, Lundquist contract and, and the back end of it and how it's it's hurting them now. Um, salary cap wise, I mean, that same thing's going to happen to Kreider if you give him like a seven year deal. Um, you know, you don't want it, you know, a guy like Kreider in his, you know, mid to late thirties, you know, and, and he's struggling now. What's that going to look like in, in seven years? So, you know, unless he's willing to sign a short term deal, if you can get a team to give up a first round pick and a prospect, which is what they got for, for Hayes last year, I think you have to do it. Um, again, this team is still rebuilding. 
Um, even though, you know, we, we sit here and we complain about certain aspects of the team, it is still a rebuild. We can complain about it, as, you know, on a short-term basis or a now basis. But long-term, I don't, you know, don't think you want to be making, you know, trades, especially with the younger players. Um, and if you could still stockpile draft picks and, uh, you know, get them down in, in the system in Harford and, and build them up down there, and you have this now great pipeline and great, you know, system to pull from, um, year after year, I, I, I think you have to do that. You know, the only other wild card in potential trades is Georgia. I think that, you know, if you can get something solid from him and, and Lundquist is like, I am not waiving my no trade clause. I don't care what you do or what you say or what you offer, or, you know, how many pats on the back you give me. Um, you know, at some point you're going to have to make a decision with these goalies and, and they have other goalies in the system too. It's not like it's these three and then it's a fall off. Um, they have a lot of, you know, younger goalies. I, I forgot what the goalie's name who's in, in college. Now they saw a graphic the other day, the Rangers had like, you know, the best, uh, goals against average goalie in the NHL, the AHL and in college or something along the shape percentage or whatever it was. So, um, you know, they have a lot of goaltending prospects in, in the system. So, you know, if they do give up Georgiev, you know, I, I think they have enough in the system to make up for it. You know, look, it could blow up in their face, too, if Georgiev goes somewhere and turns into a Vesna caliber goalie. I mean, you saw that happen to the Flyers with Bobrovsky. Um, you know, you don't want to see that happen with us as well. But, you know, I, I think you do have to dangle Georgiev out there, see what potentially he can get if it's not much then you keep him and and you deal with the three-headed goalie monster next year and and see where that takes you but you know i i think in a rebuild at this point you have to see what's available and what you could bring in prospect and, and draft pick wise yeah absolutely and probably the other thing that that nobody saw uh, probably couldn't predict it but it was obviously the kratzoff situation um so you know he's he's coming back uh that's kind of funny how that's uh swung around uh, you brought that up. That would be interesting if he did swing back, uh, you know, stateside here. And he is. He's, he's going to be back in the lineup at Hartford here. And, and you know, as far as um, – I bring that up in, in terms of, like, let's say if Kratzov had been uh, flourishing uh, these these first three or four weeks here or five weeks or whatever it was uh, instead of that situation where they could have looked at a guy like Kratzov and let's say he developed and he was playing well and everything, it kind of maybe makes Gordon and J.D. look a little quicker at the options of moving a guy like Kreider or, uh, you know, Strom a, a little quicker. They can't do that right now, obviously, because now they don't know what's going on. And, again, he's not the only prospect down in Hartford that, uh, you know, the Rangers could look at. I mean, I, I – I guess I, I need to uh, spend a little more time here and, and looking at the roster down in Hartford as far as forwards and, and defensemen and see how everybody uh, is doing. I mean, you look defensively. We've talked about this. The guys are good as far as who we have right now in the lineup. You know, here or there, there's one spot or two, a stall issue or whatever. Uh, you know, Ke'Andre Miller is going to play here in the World Juniors. Everybody's got to tune in, and, and the kid's having a really good season in Wisconsin. But if he kind of, you know, has a really a highlight reel, you know, uh, World Juniors here, uh, his stock's going to go up and see how he does the rest of the year. And that's great for the Rangers going forward in terms of, uh, you know, just another great defensive prospect coming to the team here. But offensively right now, you know, you pointed it out earlier, they've got some major problems here. They can't score, and that's something that we got to watch, uh, you know, these these next six games coming up. And I think, you know, more than anything, KD, for me, is is the system, you know, is, is how they adapt. You know, uh, they've got a, a hot young team. Not, I say hot young team in terms of the skill level. 
Uh, obviously, the Leafs haven't been playing that well. New coach and everything and stuff. I don't know what their last uh, few games are, but I think they've been kind of up and down. But that's a team now that's finding their way. Uh, you know, the, the the Ducks, obviously, they gave us enough trouble there uh, when we were last week. Philly's had a pretty halfway decent season themselves, and that's going to be uh, you know, a fun game to watch. It's always a great rivalry. And the Canes, again, they're playing good. Toronto, again, we have. And then we play Edmonton on New Year's Eve, and, you know, who knows, that game could go either way. So that's, what I'm looking at here is a bucket load of points on the table, uh, a lot of different types of teams in this mix as far as, you know, uh, uh, division teams, conference teams, and out-of-conference teams in terms of who they're going to be playing on the road, at home, mixing it up, and, and in terms of where they're going to be. But if they're not putting the puck in the net and these guys aren't scoring, and then, like, what we're talking about here, you, you, you're not – what are you going to trade? What are you going to do, and what are you going to get back, I guess, more than anything? You're, you're not going to necessarily trade a guy like Crowder or Stone, like you were saying, and, and eventually get somebody that's going to come in here and, and, and put, you know – five or ten pucks in the net in the first four or five games, and that's just to be seen. So I think everybody, you know, we all need to kind of just continue to just keep strapped in in this roller coaster, and it just might be this way until they figure it out. And the only thing, I'll stay on this 2KD, and and, and we'll take a little quick break after you respond here, is, you know, at the beginning of the season, you know, we talked about Quinn there, and they were in that slide, and they were just looking awful, and we were just talking about just in general, if... Quinn struggles, and they go into like a nosedive of like a 7-8 loss kind of a situation, which they haven't done. You know, they bounce back. They win one, lose one. Um, whether they can survive the rest of the way, that's to be seen. But on this upcoming, you know, stretch of games, um, they really kind of have to continue to do what they're doing and win one, lose one. Because if they don't, um, and they do go south, then I think you have a bigger picture. If they don't score... If the shots on goal uh, maintain, and they do come away with a really bad losing uh, record, a losing record after the stretch, KD, I think you know maybe it, it gets a little. Now you have to start looking at the coaching system that's in place. Yeah, I, I think you're bringing up a good point, mentioning um, Kraftsoft coming back, and and this is why he needed to be here in Hartford, you know, for the whole season and not go back to the KHL because. You know, this team is having some struggles offensively. And, you know, if he would have or now that he's back does put himself in a position, you know, where he is scoring some goals and showing some offense and showing, you know, his development, um, you know, with the North American game, he could easily be called up, um, which then, again, makes Kreider that much more expendable. Um, cause we could bring him right up and in the lineup, which is why, you know, for the life of me, I couldn't understand. And look, I get, he's a young kid and maybe he's homesick and was disappointed to make the team at a camp or whatever it was. I got to tell you, I am so happy that that blew up in his face, you know, selfishly, mm-hmm. because I think long-term for his development, it makes way more sense to be over here where the Rangers have more say over what he's doing, more say over his ice time. Apparently, his game the other night was the best game he had played, um, you know, down in Hartford. I know he only had a couple of games before he left to go to the KHL, but apparently he looked real good out there. He had an assist, you know, in the game, which is great to see. You know, first game back, he gets himself, you know, uh, in the score sheet. Um, and I'm sure that does wonders for his his confidence now. You know, now he's got to, you know, 
uh, get a little momentum going, you know, get a goal here or there. Again, continue to feel good about himself. You know, hopefully the the organization puts him on a line with Leah Anderson down there. Maybe get those two uh, getting comfortable with each other, a little chemistry down there. Um, you know, maybe after the trade deadline, you know, you, you're trading a Kreider, you're trading Strom, bring those two guys up, and 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 here we go with more of, uh, you know, rebuilding this team and the development of this team with two young pieces. So um, I'm real happy that he's back. The Rangers did absolutely the right thing when he got sent down to, you know, the VHL or whatever it was, get a call over there, say, look, it didn't work out. Let's get you back over over here. Let's get you, you know, built back up. You know, let's build that confidence up. Let's get you, you know, feeling good about yourself and, and into the NHL. So, yeah, you know, it was definitely a suggestion that I had made. A, as soon as I heard the news, I said the Rangers need to reach out to him right away. They did. That's a great job by the organization. Look, they could have left him over there and said, figure it out on your own. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're doing the right thing by the kid. Um I assume if he does get a little more homesick, the Rangers would be more than happy to bring in, you know, uh, a Russian a, a Russian veteran, maybe a Nemchinov or something to, you know, make him feel comfortable down there. They did that with Kako where they brought in Rutu um, to hang out with him a little bit, make him feel a little bit more comfortable. So, you know, the Rangers are very accommodating. You know, they want this kid to succeed, you know, and they'll, I'm sure, do everything they can, you know, to get him to look like the first round pick you know, that he was when they drafted him. So, you know, I feel good about him being back. I feel good about his first game. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a it's a good point to bring him up and, and what he does potentially to J.D. and Gordon's mindset towards a Kreider um, come deadline time. Because if Kravtsov is, is tearing it up down in the AHL by trade deadline time, it's that much easier to get get rid of Kreider. Yeah, well, I and I think that's the key thing, and I think that's what hopefully the organization is going to have happen because he is a, a, a top prospect that they do want they, they want him to succeed because obviously it's going to help them out in terms of making these tough decisions right now. Uh, but there's a lot of guys in this lineup, man, that, that better start finding the net, man, because it's it's not just one or two guys here. You, you know, you rolled off uh, a whole string of names right there, and you can say, okay, you know, the youth and this and that, but at the end of the day, because there's a lot of teams, and I guess maybe that's the positive side of this, KD, there's a lot of the teams out there that have, you know, you take a team like Tampa, you know, and, 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 they, and the stars that they have on that team, and they're basically struggling just as much. You take his, all of the rich kids up in Toronto there too, same thing, and they're, they're, they're running along the same uh, point line that we're running on right now. Um, the difference is is that those teams with the experience and the uh, maybe just another three or four levels of talent will have the ability uh, to they're not going anywhere and they're gonna they're probably just gonna continue to get better. This franchise right now, the Rangers, with the rebuild, if these guys struggle, you know you're not gonna trade these guys. You're not gonna move these guys. It's outside of the guys you mentioned, like I said, Stroman and Kreider, and maybe Hank or Georgiev or whatever. And you know, and that might be a really tough decision. Where if if the, if the most return they can get, and you've brought this up, and a lot of fans feel this way too, if Georgiev is the guy that you got to get, that's gonna just ultimately help the franchise out in the long run. Then you know you guys sit back there. I love the kid. I love. I know a lot of people do too. But I'll sit here and I'll go, okay, man. If they come back with a boatload of prospects and a key guy or something like that, who knows? 
Um, but eventually, this is um, this is where we're at. This is just the franchise right now. It's the rebuild, and a lot of these guys, because they're stuck in the mire. And I'm going to keep saying this, man. I, everybody's got to keep an eye on, on Quinn. I I like the guy. I almost said love, KD. I think I said love oh, at the beginning man. of the season. I, I'm coming You're taking back. my pills. You're taking yeah. my Quinn pills. <laughs> no, I I do, but I you know the part of the frustration if you take away just watching this as a fan of the players. There's got to be a system in place here. You got to you got to run some. Look, I don't know. I've never coached an NHL team. You know, I don't have the experience. Uh, you know, I'm sitting on the couch. You know, and drinking a chocolate milk and everything, and I'm screaming at the TV like everybody else is. Except, you know, you have a white claw, and other people yeah. are drinking. Uh, you know, our our fans in Ireland are drinking pints of Guinness. Obviously, <laughs> but, I mean, um, you know, something's got to give there for me. Quinn's got to show me something. I think ultimately. He's got to show the organization, too, that, that Gorton and, and, and Quinn. You can have all the patience in the world. But if they don't start finding a way to score and it swings back, oh, this week it's the defense, this week it's the offense, this week it's it's the, the defense, I mean the goaltending, uh, this week it's not enough checking, this week the shots on goal are still, you know, all this stuff, KD, that's like kind of going on here. Ultimately, it starts at the top, man, and it's Quinn and Lindy Ruff. Yeah, and and I've been, you know, look, look, I've said I've loved, I've used the love word with with yes, Quinn, but to me, <laughs> to me, the biggest sort of blemish on his record so far this year is the constant line shuffling. It's like you had brought that up earlier, and uh, for me, it's it's I I think it's one of the bigger problems, you know, with the team's inconsistencies is he's just not allowing these guys to gel. You know, he's not allowing lines to just get that relationship, that chemistry going. You know, these guys are – every game is a different lineup. I think maybe he had two games in a row on the West Coast trip where he had the same lineup. But he didn't end the game with the same lineup because by the second period, they're all sort of jumbled again. Um, so he's given the he's given them no time to gel, um, which is a bit frustrating. Look, I understand you want to make a move here and there, maybe change one player, move him up, move him down. That's fine. But he does wholesale changes. I mean, you look in some of the lines sometimes. It's like, what? Like, McKegg is on a line with Panarin and Fost. <laughs> You're like, what is happening? You know, I, I think he's like punking us sometimes or something. Just, you know, he's picking numbers out of a hat. You know, I, I just don't and understand I hate it. Kevin, I hate that, KD. I, I just can't stand yeah, I, that. I, I don't know the strategy behind it. I get, you know, look, I want to try and figure it out. But, you know, we're in the end of December now, like, you know, you've had a couple of months now to sort of figure it out and who works well with each other. And, and you're still flipping lines around the way it is. Like I get it. Like Kako is obviously having a difficult time scoring and maybe you want to put him on the fourth line to, for whatever reason, you know, uh, just take some, alleviate some pressure off of him or whatever it is. Like I get that and I have no issues with that. But when he does that, he like changes the entire lineup. Like he doesn't make like one move. It's just what is happening. And and what's funny is it it doesn't matter what line he puts Panarin on. The guy is just scoring three points a game every year. Just just like money in the bank with with that. But you know everything else. I I just look at the lineup sometimes and I'm like, oh my, what is he thinking? Um. So I I think he needs he not that I think he definitely needs um more con- consistency with those lines. And I think that'll help. I mean. How can it not? You just let these guys. It's not even just in the games; it's in practice as well, because the lines haven't been the same in practice either. You get the beat writers who are saying, "Well, these are the lines today," 
Um, and, 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 you know, and then in the game, it's different than it was in practice the day before, which is different from the game prior to that. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a bit, you know, frustrating as, as a fan, you know, and it's funny, we, we've gone through what we've been doing this for like 50 minutes. We've been on this podcast. You know what I find hysterical? We haven't bashed the defense once. <laughs> that was not possible. That, that's been their biggest problem like all year. But, uh, you know, yeah, you know what? And, and actually, and, and he really hasn't changed the defense. The defense is actually what he's been like consistent with is that he, he, he'll make a change from time to time on defense, but he does allow them to play together and, and let them make mistakes. But with the, with the forwards, as soon as there's one turnover, the whole lineup shifts. It's crazy. Yeah. I look, you know, um, you know, as far as the defense is concerned, you know, we, we've talked about that in, in length about this team. I, I, I'm okay with our defense. We've got some offensive guys. I love that. I love, I love Foxy. I love D'Angelo. Uh, I love Truba. Um, I, I'm okay with uh, our guys back there. I really am. And, I like, it's almost, for me, I used to play defense too. I mean, you just, mistakes and mistakes are going to happen, but it's, the, it's, you know, it's a tough position. You know, they'll figure it out. Um, our guys are smart back there. They'll get better. Uh, pretty soon here, Stahl's another guy that's going to eventually, he's going to get moved. You know, you can just see it on the ri- on the wall. The writing's on the wall for there. So that's going to be something else. The, the, just the last thing, I'll go back with KD here too. And, and you know, screw it, KD. We're not taking a break. We're going to go straight to 11. Um, <laughs> here's the thing. Um, all I can hope for, or maybe, you know, fans see how they feel too, is, you know, they're, they're taking notes, right? So he's changing all the lines. They're changing all the pairs. They're doing this and doing that. And they're trying to get things. Because the biggest thing that stands out here too, KD, is, you know, Mika's the only guy who's gone down. So, in you know, in 36 games here, he's really the only major injury that's been on the team in terms of a guy. He, you know, he's played 20 games. So, you know, Panarin's played all, what are we, 33, 33 games right now, uh, which most of the team is. Everybody else is played all those games except for, you know, lineup changes, guys that have come out, you know, uh, who've sat in the rafters or anything else. But other than that, every, I think everybody's, you know, got the same amount of games. You know what I'm saying? But if he's, you got to hope he's, he's maybe, maybe, and then trying to make sense of, of why Quinn's doing this and all the different lines and everything, is maybe he's going to go to December 31st here. And that gets us to just about, you know, what's it, 33, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So that gets us to 40 games on New Year's Eve, right? So maybe what he does is he's got all his notes, which ones work best. He's going to talk to his guys, and then maybe what they do is on the other side, uh, the Winter Classic, and heading in, maybe maybe he does then run his steady lines. And he man, you sound you sound like me making excuses for this guy right no, now. No, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. You, next next week you can be drinking mango white claw, man. <laughs> what, what's going on over here? Well, I'm trying to make sense out of it, right? He's a head coach. This, these are professional, uh, you know, uh, coaches here. We're trying to make sense of the madness, right? So they reach forty games. He's tried every combination that they they have out there, right? So obviously, hopefully, he's made all the notes, and maybe they got all the stats. These lines work the best. We scored better, you know, more goals in these games and this games or whatever. And now what I'm going to do is is I'm going to stick with this run and keep these guys going. And maybe that's when they that's the best time to do it when you're starting to either try to make the playoffs or try to get guys like Kreider some some showtime for trade value and Strom and all that stuff. Because maybe that's the only – I'm just trying to make sense out of it, KD. Maybe that's what he's doing. Yeah. He's, he's got his notes, 
And after 40 games, he's got, that's when maybe his system and his game plan kicks in because right now, as far as I'm concerned, I don't know what his system is, and I don't know what his game plan is. Like I said, you said it the other day, let everybody shoot at us as much as they can, and then hopefully score a couple, we score a couple goals and win. And, and that's why fans need to give Quinn a full year, or another, until the end of the year, a full year of this sort of development year, to see if that's the case. Like, I don't think you can make a judgment on the guy Right now, like I'm not happy with the lineup decisions that he's making in the shuffling, but I'm not also saying, well, he has no idea what he's doing and he needs to be fired tomorrow because he's destroying the development of Kako <laughs> and, you know, this and that, which amazingly, I see a lot of that on 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 Twitter um, and, and, and some of the other social media channels. But, um, you know, I think, you know, Quinn has to. Figure out what he wants to do with these young guys. Um, Paulie, I forgot what I was thinking in my head. I hate when that happens. You were saying, you you were saying, you were saying, help me out. I was giving Quinn, you know, a pass here. You know, I'm giving him some, you know, slack here that, you know, that this this is maybe what he's doing. You're talking about that everybody should just kind of give him till the end of the year here, give him the time, you know, through the rebuild, which I, which I, 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 I agree with you. Yeah, I don't know how you cannot give him that time because you can look. And thanks, Paulie. Okay. Senior moment, by the way. <laughs> Senior moment or, or too many white claw moment. And I know I got a few of them coming too. <laughs> Goodness gracious. It's awful. <laughs> don't get old, everybody. Do not get old. Goodness. Anyway, so and I think that's why you have to give a coach a year, especially in the development, because at the end of the year, you can look back and say, oh, that's what he was doing. He was If that's what ultimately happens, he wanted to get, you know, the first – 41 games of the season. Let me just throw, you know, crap at the wall and see what, what I can get. And, and after that, I have a better idea of the players I have, who, who they work with and, and that, and then you go like, Oh, I get it. And that's why they were better in the second half of the season. We're able to make that run to the playoffs. And, and now he's, uh, you know, uh, Jack Adams candidate, but you know, um, that's happening. (laughs) A little hyperbole there, but you know, I, I think, and, and you, then goes back to what you were saying earlier about the patience. I think there's just such a lack of patience by fans in every sport of every team these days. It's, it's win now, win, 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 win. Um, which is why it's so hard to do a rebuild. Um, so, you know, even I sometimes, you know, I, I'm complaining about things that he's doing. You get you get frustrated. You want to see, you know, development almost from game to game, which is ridiculous to think that, you know, it's going to be that easy of a progression. Like, well, you know, the next game, they're going to be better than the game before and so on and so forth. It's just not how it works. Um, so, you know, I, I think Quinn overall has been doing a, a very good job. And, and you really can't make a decision on how he's been doing until at least the end of the year. And then, again, if if – you know, by the end of March, he's still flipping these lineups. And, and now you're like, this guy really doesn't know what he's doing. Because if he's still doing that then, you know, it's a problem. That that then is a problem. Um, so, you know, I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt the same way that you are right now. Now, obviously, I was joking with you before. But um, <laughs> I think uh, some some of the range of fans out there who who like to kill Quinn need to do that as well. Look, like I said, at the end of the year, you know, if things haven't changed, you know, I don't know if I'll be at that point where I'm yelling for him to be fired, but I'll definitely start questioning, you know, whether or not he's the coach, uh, you know, to lead this team ultimately to a Stanley Cup. 
Yeah, well, you know, the, the whole landscape is going to change after the new year because, like I said, you, you might have injuries. Uh, there might be trades. Uh, maybe Kratzoff does take off a little bit. Uh, our guys, hopefully, primarily, will begin you know, starting to score. The games are going to get tougher. Because of the parity in the league, and then you're only going to have you know a couple of months here, and every other team is going to be looking to do the same thing: find out who's who's staying, who's going to win here, what kind of moves they're going to make. And so, uh, a young team like this, a young coach like this, uh, in a rebuild year, is uh, we haven't probably seen nothing yet. Um, you know, as far as um, you know what what's going to happen on the other side. We got a couple of big games against the Islanders coming up. Now, one way or the other, however we play against or whatever. But that'll be the first time that these guys are going to experience this rivalry, you know, and, and that's obviously a huge thing for the franchise and for the team and everything else. And it's just like those kind of games are, are coming up, you know. If Philly kind of hangs in here, you start looking at the Metro, right? You're going to start looking at your division. You're going to start looking at the wild card. And if the team is anywhere, you know, still within five points of a wild card, you know the organization and the fan base, the Rangers fan base, is just going to be more rabid for them to play better. So there's going to be more of a there's going to be more scrutiny on this, and this is going to be something that I think uh, is going to be interesting to watch, buddy, and that's uh, how are we going to handle it? <laughs> Number two, how's, uh, you know, Quinn going to handle it? Um, does Lindy take off and, and maybe, uh, you know, get a coaching job somewhere else? How do these players handle it? Um, and how will they handle uh, injuries? Will they dip into the uh, the wolf pack a little more? Because if the, if the, if the goaltending, I mean, not the goaltending, if the scoring uh, doesn't improve here, uh, they, they're going to have to shake things up because that gets back to what I talked to, like that, you know, after the first five weeks there when they were struggling in terms of if this team goes into a tailspin, a nosedive, that's where it could get hairy uh, for everything else. But we're not there yet. And like I said, collectively, we've got the same problems that a lot of other teams have right now. Uh, struggling uh, special teams, scoring, Winning, for that matter. There's really there's 10 teams up there in the top of the league there, KD. And then it runs down. When you get to, uh, like, 11, 12, thing, then that's when everybody's at the same point level. Everybody's, you know, at 30, you know, where we are, 36 points. The 10th the, the team in the league, I think, has, you know, 41 points or whatever. So, you know, if we're at 36, that there's not much of a gap there. And then the teams at the top are the Caps and... And, and Boston, which are monster teams. St. Louis, very experienced team. You know, Vegas is up there. Winnipeg, the Icelanders are up there, too. Um, so they're not too far out of the spectrum. So I think, and in, in, in the last thing I'll say on this, too, is like I said, it's the kids are all right. And as frustrating as it is for us to watch and, and overanalyzing everything that, um, you know, the team is doing and the decisions they make, make, it really comes down to the Rangers just got to get Better fundamentally as far as hockey, scoring, playing smart hockey, and hopefully, like I said, Coach Quinn is taking his notes, and he's going to run the same lines, and he's going to run Georgiev like 20 games in a row, and then, and then we'll be like, all right, that's what he was doing. <laughs> yeah, and, and to go back to your point on, on the defense as well, you know, saying that you, you, know, you like the personnel, you're happy with the personnel, and, 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 and you're talking about the offensive system or the systems that they're running. Another issue is is their defensive system. I I, I I think they're too the personnel is too good for them to be this bad. You couldn't and let it, it go. It, you couldn't let it go. I know. Sorry, air, I had to bring it up. But you yeah, couldn't let you it got, go. You, you got All me right, going. You said, you said defense. You said <laughs> system. You said rough. 
And you got you got me going. Am I, I freaking out? I wanted one positive here? thing to be left on the table I, here tonight, KD. I started twitching a little bit, and like, <laughs> you know, you're, you're saying all those those words, put them together, and now I'm angry. Um, so, oh, you, you know that too. That's right. But you know the lineup issue, like you say, you can make excuses for this is maybe what he's doing the first half of the half of the season, and the defensive system that they're putting out here. I, I can't imagine that's going to change. Why would they change it halfway through if they haven't changed it already? You know, and that that's a concern going forward that no matter what they do, you know, who they bring up or who they send to the press box, you know, for the rest of the season, it's still going to be a problem that they don't play a very aggressive brand of defense where they allow a team to enter the offensive zone. Uh, with no pressure on them. They're not stepping up at the blue line, allowing the other team to come in with speed. Um, and, and we've mentioned this before a couple of times on the podcast. And, and and that really puts you, you know, behind the eight ball defensively, you know, when they're coming in with speed and, and, and you find yourself chasing, um, you know, the player into the zone. And then, you know, your defensive partner is then trying to compensate for you. And then they're out of position, which is leaving guys open. And, and it's just a domino effect, and I, I think that's the problem. You know, how they can continue to, to look at what's going on on the defensive end and not change those systems is beyond me. But, uh, you know, there you go. There's the criticism for the week on the defense. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> it also comes down to the players, though, man. I, I Everybody who's either listening to us and, and watching the games – you know, there's there's a lot of head scratching that goes on watching these games and some of the decisions that these individual players are making. You know, whether it's fundamental breakdowns in the defensive end, not covering guys. To this day, defensively, I was always told to the kid, never watch the puck. Take the body. Just letting guys skate around you and it's just simple stuff. Positioning. It's just it's huge. But, you know, and we could spend another hour on, on just the way the game is played today. As far, you know, the, the officiating is so inconsistent. I mean, you know, and the, there's really no hitting anymore. There's no, you know, really no fighting in the game. I mean, just to go back real quick, I mean, to the little love tap that Lemieux gave that uh, guy in front of him the other day, and then he gets the pound. I mean, it's just you see some of the worst, awful, um, basically um, close to manslaughter that goes on in the playoffs. You know, with guys just, you know, getting run at. And there's a lot of the stuff that goes on during the regular season. I mean, how do you sit there as a fan and go, all you can say is, well, that's how it is. It's just how it is, and it's just not going to change. Um, but this is just uh, the vortex that this young team, this New York Rangers team, which we love, that it's in its rebuild here, KD, it's just got to find its way through um, just the dynamics of the National Hockey League. And, again, I'll stay positive here. They're right in the mix, man. They're right in the mix yeah. with everybody else. Yeah, and and just to go to your point on the officiating, it, it's even inconsistencies like in the game. Like if you looked at the Nashville game, you know, Lemieux got that penalty in, in front of the net for sort of like pushing the guy from behind. You know, in the next period, Kreider was just getting absolutely cross-checked yep. in, the, in the small of his back, and they didn't call anything. And then, like you said, Lemieux got the 10 minute misconduct, the little love tap. tap. Meanwhile, Foss got like mauled, like on the side of the net. And then he ended up getting the penalty. And, you know, for a league that's trying to, you know, get rid of fighting because of, you know, every, all the concussions and what it could do, this and that, you know, for them to hand out a two minute penalty to Ellis, or that's who it was, right? Ellis, who took, 
who who elbowed uh, Buchnevich. Two minute penalty, and then the guy to compound things is that the Department of Player Safety, or whatever the heck they're called, you know, they don't even suspend the guy. They didn't even call him up. No, no, fine, nothing. You know how can, how are we supposed to take the league seriously about headshots? Well, it's you know, my... that they want to go ahead. No, I, uh, you're on a roll here. I don't want to stop you. It's just it's mind blowing because I think you you know you're heading down the right. Beat. These are the assets of the league. They're not protecting them. And the yeah, fact and that if, you, go ahead. Go, no, I was going to say what what angers me even more is that they they you know they they're getting fighting out of the game. And I've always been a fan of fighting. I'm sure you are as well. Sort of old school hockey guys who grew up on fighting in the game. So I I enjoy it in the game. I I didn't necessarily like, and we we've discussed this before the the sort of two enforcers out there who you know the setup fight and it was they just fought to fight and no reason other than that. But I do like fighting in the game, and they've basically gotten it out of the game because of you know concussions and and all that that you're seeing that's happening to some of these guys afterward. And I and I get it, but you know to me the bigger, the much bigger issue are these headshots. You know these guys are taking them week in and week out, that game in and game out, and the league is doing nothing. Who's running the player safety now? Paros, George Paros. Yeah. You know, he, what is he doing? And I don't know if he's the guy making the decision or it's coming down from Batman or whatever it is. But it's a joke that they are taking fighting out of the game. But meanwhile, leaving these headshots in the headshots are much worse, much worse damage being done to a flying elbow, you know, to the chops, you know, than it is to, you know, for the fights where you you rarely see somebody really take take one flush on the face where you're knocking a guy out. I mean, it does happen. Don't get me wrong. Um, and, uh, but you know, the, to me, the, the headshots and dangerous hits on, on players, uh, uh defenseless players are m- a much bigger issue, which is why I get angry with that. I'd rather th- they keep the fighting in and get rid of those headshots than, than the reverse. Um, because, you know, at least with the hot, the fighting, I, I found it a bit entertaining. Call me barbaric or what, what you want. Um, but you know, seeing those flying headshots and elbows to the chin, there's no entertainment value in that at all. Um, so, you know, I don't, it's, it's a bit ass backwards, you know, from the NHL. Well, and that's a, it's a double edge there because these guys will get away with the cheap shots and then you, nobody on the team can go do anything because, you know, they're not allowed to, to fight these guys, you know, and then everybody's wearing face shields now and everything. Uh, I think Dowdy nailed it uh, the other night. Uh, this is how I feel on it too. And, uh, you know, after they played us, they went and played the Ducks, and I think McDavid, who uh, you know fought Smith, he fought another guy, and, and they interviewed Dowdy after the game, and he says, "You got to have guys like that in the game. It still needs to be because they asked him about fighting. Should it still be in the game?" And Dowdy basically went straight out. He said, "It's it's to keep these losers in check that that are doing all the cheap shots and getting away with murder." Yeah, and you need to get those guys out of the game. I but don't that's understand. what fighting always was years ago. KD, it was it was the way the players could police their own. It was there. They were the. But it it doesn't. You know what the thing is? It doesn't seem to matter. Like you know, the, even if you have a guy on your team who can fight, like it seems like it doesn't matter. There were a range of guys who were getting headhunted last year when like McLeod was on the team. It's not like he was stopping at that when Tanner Glass is on the team. These morons were still doing it. So it's not even. You just gotta get those guys out of the game. Like there's no need for it, or maybe not out of the game. Suspend the suspend the guy for fifty games. They won't do it anymore. You know, but they just won't do it. I mean, do it once, suspend the guy for 50 games once, it's gone. 
the elbowing is gone. Elbows to the head, the, the hits on the defensive player, they're gone. They refuse to do it. I, I for the life of me, I can't figure out why. You know, I don't know if it's it's the you know the players' union or, or what it is, but um, you know, it as soon as you actually start suspending these guys, real suspensions, not you know two games, one game, fifty games, then you'll get rid of it. You know, I don't think it. To me, the I, I haven't seen you know a, a, a team not do it because there's an enforcer on the ass. I've seen it too many times where the Rangers again, whether it's McLeod or Glass or. You know, whatever terrible enforcer that we've had <laughs> over the years recently, you know, it doesn't deter anything. So the only thing that will are, are, are serious suspensions. And yeah. I don't know if we're ever going to see it. No, you're not going to see it. I mean, it's 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 more cut and dry to be able to get rid of, uh, um, you know, fighters or goons or enforcers like that. Because, you know, a guy like, you know, uh, Matthews or Sidney Crosby or, you know, uh, Capo Caco could, act, you know, any game they could turn around and elbow somebody out of frustration or whatever the heck it is. It's it's not going to change, unfortunately. And, you know, the only time anything changes, KD, is when somebody seriously, seriously gets injured. And uh, until then, you know, they're just rolling the dice every night. It's It, it falls back on the NHLPA. But you know this is a this is a discussion for another podcast, my friend, because me and you could go on and on about it. It's a great it's a great mm-hmm. topic, and it's something that uh, the league has to deal with. Because, like I said, I you know, and, and you can't fight, and then you know you're both wearing face shields and you're punching each other's helmets. You're destroying your hands, so uh, it doesn't make any sense. But anyway, it is what it is. I digress. But hey, KD, do you have a do you have a Rangers man crush for us this week? What's the story? Yes, I do, Paulie. Well, get the hell out of here. Well, let's get it in. <laughs> My man crush of the week are, is, uh, it, it's a bunch of them. It's the citizens of Ireland. Ah, because yes. <laughs> <laughs> the, the citizens of Ireland apparently are huge listeners of the Go Rangers radio podcast. Because this week, we were apparently the number one Hockey iTunes podcast in Ireland. <laughs> and we're still holding on to the number one position. We're still there. <laughs> so Guinness for everybody on us. <laughs> that is great stuff, man. You can't make that up, man. It's just, uh, that's super, man. Yeah, we're still I, I there, man. I, I saw your brother, Sean, tweeted at you. That, what is that? That's your family over there that's listening to us? Is that how we, is that how we got so big over there? Oh uh, yeah, both my folks are from Dublin, Ireland. So uh, yeah, we there got loads go. of, there lots go. of family. We got them, we got County Cuthbert over there <laughs> following the Go Rangers Radio podcast. Good job. Oh man, it's too we'll good. Hey, so we'll send them some Jameson. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Cheers and slanta to all our listeners in Ireland. Hey, and everybody in the states here too, man. We cracked the top twenty again. Fifteen. We you know we can't thank everybody enough. And I think with that KD. Since we won't be back here next week because of of Christmas, um, let's wish all our listeners, our supporters and fans, a very happy and healthy holiday. And uh, thanks so much for the support. We're uh, we're having fun, man, and uh, I'm loving it. And uh, we really appreciate everybody uh, tuning in. And uh, why don't you why don't you say a few words yourself, there, KD? Yeah, I mean, I I could never, you know, in my wildest dreams, think that you know this podcast would be doing this well um, this quickly. You know, I, I knew that Paulie and I would have a lot of fun doing it. I didn't know if anybody would actually want to listen. Um, so to see <laughs> to see that, uh, you know, to see us up on those charts is, is very gratifying. And, and we so appreciate, um, you know, everybody listening week in and week out. And, you know, going back and listening to some of the uh, older shows on the archives to see 
what we got wrong is probably why people are looking back. Although, Paulie, <laughs> four for four, four for four on the California trip where I called uh, all four get games. Get out of here, Delorean. <laughs> no, I called all four games. I'm just going to point that out. And the week before that, I called two games as well. So I'm like six for six with my last six predictions. So uh, um, we, I may we... not make another prediction for the rest of the year so I could say I won 100%. But, uh, how do you get you know, to the doorways in your house, buddy? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we're having a great time. We appreciate everybody listening. It means a lot to us. And, uh, yeah, definitely a happy holidays to everybody. Paulie and I are both at uh, our daughter's holiday concerts tonight. So we had a little holiday cheer uh, before the podcast tonight. You know, so, you know, we hope everybody is enjoying their uh, their loved ones as well this holiday season. Well put, KD. You have put the spirit of Christmas in my heart. <laughs> there you go. I should, I should be like a holiday card, you know, greeter, greeting writer. Oh. I just put it, I put it together so perfectly. Put down the white claw, brother. <laughs> All right, Guinness, we drink, we drink Guinness now, yes, Paulie, that's Guinness. True. Guinness and black and tans and harps now in Carlsborg. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Great stuff. You got you to gotta hook up, you got to hook up that sponsorship with Guinness. Let's go. I will. I'll send them the numbers and see what they say. That's right. <laughs> All right. We had five stuff. listeners in Ireland. We're number one. We'll take them. All right, everybody. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. Say goodbye to the folks, Katie. Happy holidays, everyone. Happy holidays. All the best from us here, Katie and Paulie. We really appreciate it. Enjoy. Be safe. And hopefully get everything you asked for from Santa Claus. And hopefully get six wins before 2020. Let's go, Rangers!